0: Jamal about sports coming at you on Tuesday, June 25th, 2019. As always, I'm your host, Jamal Hayden. Thank you for tuning in, kicking off the show, of course, the classic from Talking Heads, Psycho Killer. It's about the kind of mood I'm in today, I thought that song would make sense given all that has gone on with the New York Mets. We've got a big show to get to, but this will be a very... Mets-centric show Because When last we left you Which was last week The Mets Had uh, fired their pitching coach Dave Island Because apparently he was the problem He was the reason why You know, Robinson Cano has been a complete bust And a nightmare And a disaster and a horrendous player He was the reason why the Mets insist On playing multiple players out of position Therefore undermining their starting pitching By uh, throwing out horrendous defensive teams Apparently Dave Island was the reason why That Ahmad Rosario has regressed into Statistically uh, And if you just watch with your own eyes One of the worst shortstops If not the worst shortstop, literally Fielding-wise in the National League And maybe in all of Major League Baseball um, Dave Ireland was, I guess, the reason why Brody Van Wagenen has trotted out guys in the bullpen Like Jacob Rame And Drew Gagnon And Brooks Pounders And Luis Avalon And Robert Gesellman And Seth Lugo And J. Rus Familia all of whom at one point or another have been atrocious this year. I guess that was was all Dave Island's fault. So firing him was going to fix everything. It was going to fix it all, right, particularly the bullpen. Didn't like the way the bullpen was performing, okay? So that very night, that same night, that first game after (laughs) they fired Dave Island, (laughs) Wilmer Font, who, to be fair, has pitched fairly well out of the bullpen, a guy that Brody Van Wagenen picked up kind of off the scrap heap from Tampa Bay earlier this season, Uh, with two outs and the opposing pitcher up, uh, gets to a 3-2 count on the opposing pitcher. Okay, whatever, it happens. Um, Throws a 3-2 curveball to the opposing pitcher and walks him because that's always wise then proceeds to balk the opposing pitcher who's on first base, to second base. Now, to be fair to Wilmer Font, he did get out of the inning unscathed and didn't allow any runs, but I just thought that was sort of a fitting sequence of events to basically perfectly encapsulate the New York Mets of 2019, which is just a laughable clown show. Now, we ended the week on Sunday... With Mickey Calloway making yet another head scratching decision when it comes to the bullpen, which is the Mets had a 3 1 lead. Jacob DeGrom, their ace on the mound, right? Their stud, the guy they just gave the huge contract extension to, and deservedly so, in the offseason. Six innings, one run, nine strikeouts, eight hits. You know, one of the runs was a fluke hit by the pitcher. No walks, 96 pitches. Jacob DeGrom has to come out and pitch the seventh inning there. He has to. He has to. He's your stud. He's your guy. 96 pitches is not the end of the world. Let him go another inning. Even if he throws 15, 20 pitches that inning, it's 116 pitches. That's not the end of the world. Callaway takes him out, later says, oh, I thought he was gassed. Mm Mm-hmm. Okay. Mickey Callaway again, supposedly a pitching guru who seems to have no... Pulse does not seem to understand the collective pulse of his pitching staff, and has no feel for when to leave a guy in and to want to take or when to take a guy out. So he takes him out. He brings in Seth Lugo. Again, I've said this a million times. Seth Lugo is okay in Mets land. He's you know Mariano Rivera when he was setting up for John Wetland in 1996. But in real in reality, he's an okay setup guy. Brings him in in the seventh inning. Lugo actually gets through the seventh inning unscathed. Tries to bring him out to pitch the eighth inning again. Lugo gets into trouble. Now he's on his 40 something pitch, and it's clear that he's gassed. Gives up a three run homer to Javi Baez. Game over. Asked in the locker room multiple times afterwards, why don't you bring in Diaz there for a five out save? Diaz has pitched twice in about eight days. Starts getting testy He's finally starting to crack See, you could you could at least root for the Mets And, and as bad a, a, an in-game manager as Mickey Calloway Has proven himself to be in this season and a half so far Since he's been here And he's been awful At least, he always had a smile on his face And yes, he came across as a bit of a rube And a little bit hokey and a little bit goofy But at least he was pretty much genial Right? And, and, and seemed like an affable enough guy Right But now it's all starting to crack So Fired his pitching coach right I mean he didn't but he certainly didn't stand Pound the table to keep his guy did he Right Because now it's all about self preservation for Mickey So Fired the pitching coach and the bullpen coach Last week In the middle of the week Sunday, yet more head-scratching decisions now being asked about by the media starts to get testy and then Tim Healy, who's one of the beat writers for the Mets for Newsday literally just innocently said as he saw Callaway dressed out of his, in his street clothes and looked like he was leaving see you tomorrow, Mickey Mickey for some reason took offense to that said don't be a smartass and then starts screaming get that mother effer out of here and losing his mind on the guy and then Jason Vargas, of all people, starts staring at Tim Healy, the reporter for Newsday, and says, I'll knock, I will knock you the bleep out, bro, threatens to knock the guy out, and starts taking steps towards him, and is restrained by Noah Syndergaard and Carlos Gomez, so, this, this is Sunday, right? After a crushing Mets loss, the Mets finally have a chance to win a road series for the first time since April in Miami, right? They end up going 2 and 2, and, and you know, with all the stuff squirreling around this team, underperforming all year, right? They blow yet another DeGrom game, another game where DeGrom leaves the game with the lead, and the Mets blow the game. So,. Jeff Wilpon then calls, apparently calls the reporter Sunday night and apologizes. Surprise! And you know what? It's so funny. Sad. This is how sad, how low my opinion is of Jeff Wilpon that I was actually surprised when I read that because that's actually the right thing. So he did that. Van Wagenen made a statement, also sort of condemning the actions. They fined Callaway and Vargas ten grand each. Big deal. Jason Vargas making eight million dollars. Callaway makes whatever he makes, a million dollars, 900 grand. 10 grand ain't a lot. It's not a big deal. So that, that, that's a nothing punishment to slap on the wrist, to joke. I mean, I'm sorry, you know, this isn't two guys getting into uh, heated words, right? This isn't two teammates, you know, yelling at each other in a clubhouse, getting into fisticuffs or whatever. You, you don't threaten to knock somebody out who's a reporter just simply doing their job. So, the Mets of course do nothing from a punishment standpoint but publicly at least they, they seem contrite so then Callaway's got his pre-game press conference as, as he does every game yesterday and starts being asked about it makes a joke about Billy Martin punching a reporter in 1978 uh, sorry Mickey that was what 40 years ago world's a little different now. And by the way, Billy Martin wasn't managing at the time. He was out of baseball at the time, and it was in a bar in Reno. Right? Makes a joke about that. Says, I'm a super competitive guy, but I could have handled it better. You know, Typical cop-out horse shit. So, then some of the other reporters start asking, well, are, are, do you apologize? Are you sorry? Refuses to say he's sorry. Gets defiant. Ends the press conference, goes back in. It was so stunningly idiotic and such a ridiculous performance by Callaway that obviously somebody in the Mets organization got to him, which he basically admitted to, because then he called another press conference an hour later for the guys to come back in to clarify that when he spoke to the reporter, he apologized to the reporter. In between... Jason Vargas does his own little press conference Where he also defiantly Issues a statement to the gathered press And says "Uh, It was unfortunate for all parties involved That it's become a distraction But now we're moving on to the Phillies And that's all there is to say about that Thanks and walks away Like a tool Jason Vargas Who's lucky to even be in the major leagues And so after all of this, Brody Van Wagenen is asked about this. Still have full confidence in Mickey Calloway to lead this team. Really? So so let, let me just get this straight, Brody. Your idea of leadership is a manager who loses his temper, screams profanities at a reporter, thus setting the example for his players, and then one of his players threatens to knock said reporter out. And you're confident in his leadership abilities. See, I knew Brody Van Wagner was a bad hire. I don't want to say I told you so, but I'm going to say I told you so. I hated it when I heard it. When I heard it was Jeff Wilpon's idea, I hated it even more. Even more? Nice voice, Peter Brady. (laughs) Um... And then this, basically Then you had last week, right? With the scapegoating of Dave Island That's always sort of the first step in, the, in these processes, right? Now look, to be fair In 99, I think Or maybe it was 98 98, it worked with the Mets Where they did the, the, the quote-unquote Friday Night Massacre Where they fired they fired uh, uh, Bob Apodaca and, and Tom Robson The pitching coach And the hitting coach for the Mets They were Valentine's guys They brought in new guys And the Mets actually went on A 40 and 15 run after that but that was a much better team than, than than this team I mean that team had Piazza It had Ventura It had Edgar Alfonso I mean that team had some, some real star quality to it Al Leiter I mean it was a very good team Not that this team is that bad by the way The defense is horrible Which as we talked about is undermining the whole thing And the bullpen is laughably bad But there's some guys in this lineup that can hit But we'll get to all that later So Here was a real opportunity After the weak, cowardly Scapegoating move Last week to blame this all on Dave Island Right? And by the way These two incidents now They they are not mutually exclusive Right? It's all connected Because this is now, Brody Van Wagenen Is now, Mets fans Showing you his character and his true colors And who he actually is Right? So, because when faced with a perfect opportunity yesterday to display some real leadership and accountability, he failed miserably. After Callaway's pathetic performance yesterday in that first press conference, Van Wagenen had the perfect opportunity. I don't care that he's your guy. You have to excoriate him after that. Actually, what you have to do is fire him because the results have not been there on the field, and now you're you're getting this garbage? I mean clearly somebody in the Mets Must have told Callaway Look this is the company line Even if we don't believe it Which is we're terribly sorry And this is not who we want to be as an organization And this is not the proper way to represent ourselves To our players Our fans Our owners Baseball fans in general The league Certainly the press community I mean it's it's not hard guys It's really not hard Of course you're the Mets so you make it hard Because you're a bunch of idiots. It's stunning the level of incompetence and idiocy that exists in this organization. Stunning. So when faced with a real opportunity, as Brody Van Wagenen loves to say all the time, he failed miserably. He's a feckless coward. And again, it was one thing To be like, "All right, listen I don't really like Mickey Callaway as a manager But he seems like a nice enough guy Now it turns out he's a complete asshole And again Here's the issue I don't have an issue so much with him yelling at a reporter He's frustrated, he's angry It's right after a, a Really tough loss He knows his job is probably on the line You know, everyone has A bad moment, everyone has a bad day We all do None of us are perfect That I don't have an issue with that What I have an issue with Well I don't love it It's not a good look But you can forgive it If you're actually contrite And you apologize Like a grown up But when you sit there And you get condescending And defiant The next day When you've had a full 24 hours To consider your actions And you can't be man enough To issue a sincere apology That tells me you're an asshole Sorry It wasn't the yelling at the reporter That makes him an asshole It's the inability to apologize Like a grown-up Like a man That's what makes him an asshole So you've got that Now then there was also So, so, so that, that was all going into last night's game Against the Phillies Of course not, not, not at all surprising They lost 12-7 in the Phillies last night Another horrendous game And 10-cent head performance by Steven Matz We'll get to him in a second too um, but then there was also an article by Mike Puma, one of the other Mets beat writers, writes for the New York Post, that in the Arizona game a few weeks ago on a Saturday night, when Degrom, uh, you know, kind of moved his, his leg a little bit, and then and Callaway came out and he told him he had a cramp, but he was fine. But Callaway pulled him from the game, and the Mets blew that game too. Apparently, now of course Van Wagenen has denied this since this story has come out, but I don't believe him for a second. So apparently Van Wagenen, while watching the game on TV, because the game was in Arizona, texted somebody in the Mets organization to tell Cowley, go get him out of the game. So you've got the general manager making managerial moves from his couch. You've got the general manager failing to display any leadership when it's most needed after this ridiculous incident yesterday. You've got a manager who's now proven to be not only incompetent, but also a creep, and, of course, where does it all lead to at the top? Same place it always does, the Wilpons. Most notably, Jeff Wilpon. Of course, silent, like the, like the hiding coward that he is. I know I've used the word twice now. It's, it's, on, it's by design. Not a word. And gee. Isn't it interesting that the owners are, are, are curiously silent Yes, I understand Jeff Wilpon called the reporter himself But after Calloway's performance Jeff Yesterday, Jeff Wilpon's got to Come back out and say something He needs to issue a statement, do something Of course he does nothing And isn't it interesting that the general manager behaves badly, the manager behaves badly, and then one of the players behaves badly. Now, look, I'm not, not going to cast aspersions on all the, the players on the Mets. Most of them seem like genuinely good guys. Look, Jake DeGrom, who's not even the player, Mets player rep, took it upon himself yesterday to say, Look, guys, I will go issue a statement to the press. I'm not pitching today. I don't want this to be a distraction anymore. I'll handle this. Because that's who Jacob deGrom is And look, he's great Pete Alonso seems like a great kid Jeff McNeil's a great guy Todd Frazier, I give him a hard time The the players seem to like him Right, Nimmo when he plays is a delight Conforto's a quiet kid But he's certainly not a a pain Seems like a nice enough guy Wilson Ramos is a steady veteran I mean, there's plenty of good guys on this team Syndergaard Wheeler I mean these guys all stay Edwin Diaz can't speak English But he stands at his locker Through his interpreter And takes questions Win, lose, or draw Good or bad Plenty of stand-up guys on this team So I don't want to paint the, the whole team players As a bunch of jerks And I hope And it would appear That Jason Vargas Would appear to be an outlier here But it's really hard To root for an organization When the administration The organization itself Not the players Are this unlikable I mean, listen Brody Van Wagenen It's not even debatable He has been a complete And utter disaster It's interesting So far, right You have the Dave Island thing Which, which pretty much every, Everybody to Anyone who follows this team Be it a fan A reporter TV guys All thought that was A weak cop-out move, right Then you have Him supposedly Telling Callaway What to do in games From his couch you have him horrendously responding To Callaway's horrendous response yesterday By not responding at all And then saying that he still has A lot of faith in Mickey Callaway What, what, what kind of trait? What, what, what would you describe that as Would you describe it as duplicitous Perhaps Underhanded Slimy Serpentine I mean I think I think you would say that, that those would be fair assessments, fair words, fair adjectives to use when describing Brody Van Wagen and and, and 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 granted it may be the most negative and worst stereotype, but, but what 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 profession do you typically associate those negative words and stereotypes with? Hmm. Oh I don't know, maybe a sports agent? Gee, what a surprise. And and the Mets as a team. Or just a collection of faces and names With statistics and backs of baseball cards There's there's no real thought Put into assembling this team As to how the parts would all work together it's, it's almost, it's strange It's almost like the general manager In fact never was a general manager And was really kind of, I don't know, an agent Before he took the general manager's job And his one big move continues To be a an albatross and an anchor the likes of which the Mets haven't seen since Roberto Alomar Jr. was on this team. Or, sorry, Roberto Alomar was on this team. Also, a, at the time, a washed up second baseman. Because Robinson Cano is killing this team. Killing them. Because this manager, or the general manager, more likely the latter, Insists on batting him third. He went 0 for 5 last night, left seven guys on base. The Mets actually had a 2 0 lead, a 4 2 lead, a 6 5 lead, and had multiple opportunities to put the Phillies away in that game last night. And Cano came up empty every single time. Plus, committed an error that was generously scored, hometown scored base hit that led to a run. Can't get to anything anymore Can't throw now anymore He's hitting I think 230 With four home runs He has an OPS in the sixes That's atrocious He's been a complete And utter disaster Awful And just for good measure by the way Jay Bruce who's part of that trade Pinch hit a three run homer last night To put that game out of reach fitting beyond belief, right? And last night's game, again, to further and buttress my point from last week, there was a play in right field McNeil didn't make that was an out that he turned into a hit. There was a play, two plays Rosario didn't make again that should be outs that or scored hits. The play can only be, that's four plays that need to be outs that are scored hits that are not hits. And look, I'm not going to get on Jeff McNeil at all. Jeff McNeil is one of the three reasons to watch this team. He's not a right fielder. Where what is he? What's his best position? Second base. Again, I know I'm going to sound like a broken record. That's Cano's Im- negative impact is so far reaching Because not only are you weak at second base with him playing there Because he can't play the position anymore But now you're weakening your outfield Because you're putting who should be playing second base in the outfield He's not an outfielder And you're weakening the offense Because you insist on batting him third Even though at at best He should be hitting seventh Although he shouldn't be in the lineup at all If you're going to just go on merit And the Mets have this, this guy for four more years so last night you had Jeff McNeil playing right field. He's a second baseman. You had Michael Conforto playing center field. He's a left fielder. You had Dominic Smith playing left field. He's a first baseman. You had Cano playing second base. He, he shouldn't even be playing, but if he could hit, which he can't, but if he would, he'd be a DH. The Mets and then Rosario at shortstop, who I understand his stock and trade is a shortstop, but he's been horrendous at shortstop this year. But at least that's his. His, his natural position. So I can't get on the decision to play him there because that's, he's not supposed to be this bad, but he is. That means you had Frazier at third, who's an above average, I'd say average to above, slightly above average, fielding third baseman. And Pete Alonso at first, who again, everybody said couldn't play. He's been one of the Mets' best defenders this year. And it's not only because the rest of the guys are terrible. He's actually played a very good first base Now yes he made a throwing error last night that cost him a run Again he's got 27 home runs And 60 RBIs and it's not even halfway Through the year I'm going to live with the occasional Error from Pete Alonso Oh and then you have Wilson Ramos behind home plate Who while his offense has been pretty good this year His defense has been atrocious Leads the league in pass balls Can't throw anybody out made two horrendous throws last night That if they were good throws would have nailed Two base runners two base stealers and, and threw the ball on one hop the center field both times Of course, both times Cano couldn't block the ball Couldn't be bothered Because he's got to get Fancy Dan out there And try to olay the ball I mean, as I said last week There is nothing more enraging Than watching a declining superstar veteran player Who also then is lazy and doesn't hustle And has a very laissez-faire way about him And that is Cano to the nth degree It's it's enraging. It's enraging as a fan to watch. It's the worst thing. You watch Pete Alonso bust his ass to first base on every ground ball. Jeff McNeil, every ground ball. Nimmo, when he plays, every ground ball. Rosario, to his credit, every ground ball. There's Robinson Cano on a, on a swing and a miss strike, three, a ball in the dirt, in ninth inning, couldn't even be bothered to run to first base. The Mets down two runs and desperately in need of a base runner. After already having two other base run, you know, non running issues this year. And of course the Mets did nothing about it. They claimed finally after the second time they sat him, but as we, we chronicled here on an earlier show, Cano claimed no, he was told that was just a scheduled day off. Oh, and then Callaway also sat Conforto and McNeil on Sunday With a chance to take three out of four from the Cubs When both guys were raging hot And he's telling me McNeil needs a scheduled off day He's 27 It's his first full year in the big leagues He needs a scheduled off day? What, are you kidding me? And again, look, maybe that's coming from, from Van Wagenen And the rest of the geniuses in his analytics department I don't know But I mean, look how look what I just told you about the Mets' defense last night. Again, I know I talked about it last week, but the old adage of being strong up the middle defensively: catcher, shortstop, second base, center fielder. The Mets have a very poor defensive catcher in Wilson Ramos, a very poor sh- defensive shortstop in Ahmed Rosario, a very poor defensive shortstop second baseman in in Cano, and a center fielder last night in Conforto, who's a left fielder. Who the Mets have been playing out of position all year in right field Which has also been hurting them And again And then they wonder why the pitching isn't pitching up to its, its, its lofty standards I guess that's all Dave Island's fault Again, and listen, I'm not a big Dave Island guy I don't know, I don't know anything about Dave Island I know that he's won two World Series as a pitching coach I know that, I don't know, when I say I don't know anything About him, I know that, I don't know what he does As far as his day-to-day interactions with the Mets Pitching staff but again it's just it's it's another it, here here's the bottom line with the mets it's always somebody else's fault when, when as far as the owners are concerned it's somebody else's fault the general manager somebody else's fault the manager somebody else's fault Steve Island's fault oh it's it's this it's reporter's fault there's no accountability and again it starts at the top we know this so I would say that I was I'm actually rooting for more chaos, more dysfunction, more publicly shaming incidents like this latest one except for the fact that unfortunately it would appear that Jeff Wilpon is shameless. So I don't think any amount, you know, short of maybe what Brody van Wagenen, you know, getting caught on 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 tape sticking up a bank or something I mean, I mean, what what what's it going to take for ownership to realize that this is a complete and utter embarrassment? I understand it's halfway through Brody Van Wagenen's first year. I'm sorry, he has zero track record. This is like the Lions hiring Matt Millen out of the broadcast booth and then sticking with him for eight years, by the way, and ruining that franchise. Not that it was ever great to begin with But running that thing into the ground I mean Brody Van Wagenen gets zero Zero benefit of the doubt He has no track record None If this year ends the way I think it's going to end What do I mean if We all know how this is going to end there's going to be about ten to 15,000 people going to City Field in August. Mets going to be about 15 games under 500 by then. And Van Wagner needs to go. And by the way, I'm sorry. Rob Manfred, commissioner of Major League Baseball, where are you? This is a New York team in your biggest media market. They embarrassed themselves on a near daily basis. They should have never been allowed to keep the team after the Madoff fiasco, but Bud Selig and Freddie Wilpon are real good buddies. So the Major League Baseball bailed them out and loaned them money to keep running the team that they didn't have money to do because of the Madoff thing. Where are you? Get in there. This is a joke. It's, like, it's like when the Giants, the New York football Giants, became a joke in the late 70s and finally Pete Rozelle said, look, guys, you know, I think the Mares and the Tishers were fighting and the whole thing was a mess. And he said, look, you're going to hire George Young And you're going to clean this up That's what Rob Manfred needs to do with the Mets He needs to get in there Let Van Wagen have the rest this year Who cares, this year's done anyway You're not firing a general manager, I guess, during the season Although, you know, the Mets kind of did that with Sandy Alderson last year And they kind of did it with Omar Minaya about eight years ago Also, remember when Omar had to take his little time out because the whole Tony Bernazard shirt, screaming shirtless at a double A team. I mean, again, right? I mean, I, I've been doing these podcasts now for about ten years, and I mean, every two or three years, something absurd—it's the theater of the absurd—like this pops up with the Mets. And again, the, the the actors change. The producer is always the same. The scripts change. The producer is always the same. Directors change Producers always the same So Rob Manfred Get in there after this season And go to the Wilpons and say Listen This is We can't have this anymore Okay You're incapable of fending for yourselves If you want to keep this team Here's who You are going to hire Although, I don't know that I necessarily judge necessarily uh, trust Rob Manfred's judgment, frankly. But it can't be worse than the Wilpon's judgment, because everybody they hire is a joke. All right, we'll take a short break. We'll be back right after this. Okay, we're back here on another edition of Jamal About Sports. Uh, let's take a little trip around the majors, shall we? So we're pretty much at the halfway point here. Uh, we'll take a look at the standings. By the way, article in the post today. Again, uh, I think I was out ahead of this. Why? Why Marcus Stroman would be a perfect fit for the Yankees. I believe I had that last week. Um, but let's go to uh, the standings. So, I mean, again, as we said last week, the anti-Mets, the Yankees, fifty and twenty-eight. They're nine and one in their last ten. Uh, everybody in that, that, that on that team hits uh, They got Judge back now They've got Stanton back now um, You know Former scrubs like Gio Urshela Are still hitting over 300 I mean everything is going the Yankees way Everything Now Bear in mind And they swept Tampa Bay Who was probably playing over their heads But it's still a pretty good team um, They took three or four I think from the Astros Who you know, I've been saying is the best team in the league So give the Yankees credit there um, Now they're playing Toronto You know who's laughably bad But my point is the Yankees are going to hit a rough spot At some point they just are Every team does I mean look The, the Yankees I mean look maybe it's just going to be one of those magical years Where you know They're going to win 100 plus games But their pitching is not very good The starting pitching anyway is, is, it, it's okay, it's not great The bullpen though is really good And you can get away with that in the regular season Because the Yankees are still going to score a lot of runs But at some point The Gio Urshelas of the world And the Luke Voits of the world uh, And even Cameron Mabin I know he's on the, the DL now But uh, you know These scrap heap guys The Yankees have picked up that have all been playing way over their heads They didn't come back down to earth Except for the fact that they're probably not going to have to play that much anymore because they've gotten their big guns back. So, uh, you know, unless they get some more injuries again. You know, Aaron Hicks is a very nice player. The guy's very injury-prone. Um, so, we'll see. But they're, they're going to come back down to earth at some point. But look, you got to be thrilled if you're a Yankees fan right now. Five-game lead over Tampa Bay, eight-game lead over Boston. Every time I think Boston's going to kind of get – the, the ship righted, and now look—they're six games over 500. They're seven and three in their last ten. But that bullpen is atrocious. They had that game last week against the Rangers that they lost in 17 innings. They had a game uh, against uh, Toronto of all teams on Saturday where they walked back-to-back bases-loaded walks to tie and then lose the game. Uh, the, the Red Sox bullpen is a major issue. They're gonna have to make some moves at the deadline again. If you're the Mets and Brody Van Wagenen, get on the phone with the Red Sox. Edwin Diaz absolutely is in play. Wheeler's in play. Syndergaard's in play. Now, I want some good players back from Boston. I want Jackie Bradley Jr. I don't care he hits 220. I don't care. guy's the best center fielder in baseball. Starts with him and then your best prospect. That's that's what I'm that's what I'm doing. Give me him. Give me maybe the Chavis kid, and you can play him at second or maybe play him at third next year. McNeil plays second or maybe McNeil plays third and that kid plays second. But I, I'm not getting these double A guys for any anybody good on the Mets. So the Red Sox are still alive, as we saw, said last week. I mean, look. Eight games, it's not even at the at, at, at the all-star break yet. The Yankees have played 78 games, so there's three more left to, to, to the real halfway point, the official halfway point. But they're certainly in the mix for a wild card. And then in the central, the Twins keep rolling along, 50-27. That lineup just continues to hit. Jake Odorizzi has been fantastic. Pereiro's has been great. Gibson's been good. So they got three pretty, you know, two really good starters and one pretty solid one as their third starter. The Indians have gotten themselves back in the mix. One four in a row, eight and two in the last ten. Eight games over 500 at 43 and 35. The White Sox, of course, got the Hayden kiss of death last week. I said they're going to be pesky. They've hit a bit of a cold spell here. They're 36 and 40. But they will still be pesky Because they have some guys in that lineup that can hit And like I said, they've got a couple of pitchers Like Giolito that can shut you down Every now and then And the Astros, they've hit a cold snap 3-7 and seven in the last 10 49-30 overall, they're going to win that division though The Rangers have popped up though lately They're 42-36 and 36. The A's have been playing better, they're three games over The Angels are kind of hanging around The outskirts of the second wild card At 39-40 and 40. And then over the National League Atlanta 46 and 33 The Phillies were reeling Of course until the panacea That is the New York Mets Showed up last night They're only two games over 500 They lost seven in a row They're 2 and 8 in their last 10 Washington Fits and starts They're 37 and 40 Give Max Scherzer a ton of credit Guy broke his nose In a bunting drill uh, Last week And then pitched seven shutout innings The next day That guy That guy. You could put that guy on my team Every single day, all day long the, the, the epitome of a gamer Plus he's a phenomenal pitcher One of the best, if not the best pitcher in the National League and It's basically him, Kershaw, and DeGrom The last three years are the three best pitchers in the National League And then of course the Mets and the Marlins The Central, the Cubs Look, I watch the Cubs The Cubs play a million guys out of position too Carl Schwarber is a train wreck in left field. Uh, They play, you know, Rizzo. I mean, Rizzo is actually very good at first. I meant, sorry. Bryant in right field He's a third baseman. He shouldn't be out there. But they like to play this Bode character at third base sometimes. You know, Baez is really uh, a shortstop, not a second baseman. They'll play him at second base sometimes. Addison Russell sometimes will play. Um, Although their, their catcher, Wellington Castillo, is fantastic. Um... Is that who I'm talking about? Let me just make sure I got the name right. I think I think that's who I'm talking about. I may have gotten the name wrong. Let me just go to the stats. Let me go to the roster real quick. Wilson Contreras, yeah, Wellington Castillo. Could I be more out of my mind? Wilson Contreras, their catcher is fantastic. Uh, you know, they play Hayward in center sometimes. Sometimes right field. I mean, again. You know the the Jason Hayward contract is one of the worst in the history of baseball. Uh, You know, 180 million dollars for a light hitting corner outfielder. I don't care how good his defense is. Um. So that NL Central again, we say it all the time. It's going to be a dogfight. Milwaukee, Chicago. I mean, I keep expecting St. Louis at some time, some point to hop in the mix here. And, you know, they're three games under 500. I mean, over 500. They're only two back. The Cubs in a loss comp. Although their closer, Jordan Hicks, just went on the DL. And he could be out for the year with an ulnar issue. Uh, and then you got the Pirates and the Reds, both four games under 500, bringing up the rear. Again, not true contenders, although they're pesky. And the Reds could make a push in the second half. They, I mean, do have a plus 48 run differential. Although some of that's inflated by some blowout wins that they've had. And, you know, they, they're going to score a lot of runs, especially in that bam box that they play in. And then in the West, look, the Dodgers, look at them, 54-26, 130 plus 130 run differential. This is like the Dodgers of two years ago. Remember, the Dodgers last year got off to have a slow start. I said, don't worry about them. They're going to be fine. They had a million injuries, and they were. Uh, but this is like the Dodgers' team of two years ago. I mean, they're just blowing through everybody. They have a 12-game lead, 12 games. They're 28 games over 500. <laughs> And we got a half a season to go The 34-9 at home Again the one thing we, Dodgers got to probably shore up that bullpen Again same thing Mets Mets, get on the phone with them please They got a million guys on the Dodgers That could start for the Mets That don't start for the Dodgers Go, go get a couple of them Give him Edwin Diaz And let's move on Give him Seth Lugo Maybe somebody else get fooled into thinking Seth Lugo is great Even though he's not Rockies four games over 41-37 Diamondbacks at 500 40-40 Padres 38-40 It's funny All that great young Padres talent And uh, the Giants At 33-44 So That is your story In Major League Baseball All right, we're going to Finish up the show With uh, A little addition Of ad nauseum So Every now and then I like to uh, Talk about some commercials You know Look Most commercials are atrocious As AG likes to point out All car commercials should be banned Um, All cellular commercials should be banned I mean they're all awful So with that in mind uh, We're going to highlight a couple of the particularly bad ones uh, on tonight's show and tonight's uh, edition of Ad Nauseam. So actually the first one, and actually all three of these commercials also have a, a common theme and that is they all are basically emblematic of what is wrong in society as far as the, the way we coddle children now in this society and how they are the centerpiece of everything that every parent does when you know that used to not necessarily be the case, so the first one is this I believe it's for it's for some financial advisory shop I believe it's Jimworth financial where you 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 know uh, you know Q a, a, a hot steamy summer day father pushing a lawnmower mowing the lawn sweating the about a Preteen or maybe early teenage daughter screaming at the father, right? Dad! Dad! Literally. I'm not even exaggerating. You know, because you can't hear him because he's actually mowing the lawn, he's actually doing something. Can you drive me to so and so's because they have a pool? So then, oh, he gets a great idea I guess why don't I talk to my financial advisor And figure out if we can spend 40 grand to put a pool in So I can please my little bratty daughter And then the next thing you know They're building a pool And then everybody's splashing around having a good time I mean, can you imagine (laughs) Can you imagine Anybody who's my age Any of my friends out there listening to the show Can you imagine if you ever spoke to your parents that way What the reaction would be? Let alone them spending forty grand to get a pool put in. (laughs) That's number one. Number two is I don't know. It's for a luxury SUV. I'm not sure what the brand is because I I kind of tune it out. It might be BMW. I'm not sure. Could be Mercedes. I don't know. But we've got we've got professionals in a boardroom in a conference room and. There's a woman amongst the professionals and her smartphone lights up and it says, Alex, it's her daughter. And she answers the phone in a hushed tone like this. Yes, sweetie? Like, oh my god, it must be something horrible must have happened. Yes, sweetie? And it's, oh, and then she hangs up and then she tells her her Coworkers who are on a conference call as they put the phone on mute. Oh, Alex forgot her cello, so they all pile into her cool luxury SUV and continue the conference call in the SUV, so they could all avert this major catastrophe that Alex doesn't have her cello. I mean, can, how about this? How about this? I'm at work. Figure it out for yourself. How about that? <laughs> what a. I mean, it's incredible. <laughs> And then the last one is for Verizon. It's the, it's by it's this whole campaign, which is just absolutely atrocious. It's like why so and so these are regular Joes chose Verizon. None of whom I care. I, I don't I don't care why you chose Verizon. I don't know you. Even if you're famous, I don't care. But I especially don't care that there's some supposedly average Joes. Um, so. Some guy and his like I think he's in their late teens or early twenties, but uh, his son is a rock star. He's a guitarist, and dad somehow Verizon helped dad help him get a record deal somehow. And dad is just so thrilled for Sonny Boy, and now he created a rock star. I mean, it's 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 beyond ridiculous. Beyond, I, I'd love to know how a cell phone company somehow helped a father help his son get a record deal, but somehow it did. I don't know. So, anyway, that's your ad nauseum for today. Three of the worst commercials on TV going right now. All right. As always, check us out wherever you get your podcasts. Apple, iTunes, SoundCloud. The website is jamalaboutsports.com. The Twitter account is at jamalaboutsport. If you listen to this, you want to tweet me, tweet at me. Go right ahead. You agree, disagree, hate what I said, love what I said. Love to hear from you. Uh, Facebook page, same thing. Sports. Other than that, thanks for listening. Peace out.